0: Thanks for tuning in. This episode was originally recorded for YouTube, so some references might be lost on listeners. To get the full experience and to view current episodes, go to youtube.com forward slash at Rob Talks Beer. That's youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Rob Talks Beer. All right, let's go to the episode. To Rob from the internet talks about beer. Sure, we discuss different styles of beer, beer history, beer flavor profiles. We give shout-outs to breweries we think make exceptional beer, and we talk about whatever else comes to mind during the course of the conversation. As always, I'm Rob from the Internet. Let's talk about beer. All right, so joining me today is a is is a is a friend who I have been friends with on Twitter and met one time in real life uh for for almost a decade we've been friends and and uh this is like uh i guess this is the second time we've actually been able to have an actual conversation face to face even though it's electronic face to face yeah uh so yeah joining me today is, is my buddy ryan Geyer. ryan if you would tell me a little bit about yourself how it is you got into craft beer and what you do when you're not drinking craft beer or talking about craft beer
1: yeah sure thing so first of all thanks for having me um i've been been looking forward to doing this for a little while you when you call out for folks to show up on the show, I've, I've been anxious to get here. So thanks for having me. Um, craft beer. Um, like I grew up in California. Um, and so right around the time that, you know, craft beer started really kind of becoming a popular thing was probably when it really showed up on, on my radar. I'd have a hard time pinpointing when exactly that is. The, the thing that really like sticks out for me is when I first, Uh, got married my wife went through a culinary program um, and she learned not everything but many things about how to taste wine and and sort of how flavor profiles work and that sort of thing I remember the first time that she convinced me to drink a wine because I was a beer drinker then she convinced me to drink a wine and she brought out this book that no no kidding is like you know two and a half (laughs) three inches thick and it's you know like big big pages um and open it up to like the flavor profiles and the colors and sort of like how you evaluate a wine. Um, and so being a beer drinker, I started to kind of apply that to, okay, when I'm drinking beers as well. And that's, that was sort of what elevated me from like buying stuff from, from the liquor store and by, buying lagers and things like that to like actually paying attention to what, what a beer tastes like and and how it's made and things like that. <clears throat> cool. Cool.
0: So, so your your craft beer drinker you've been drinking craft beer for for many years uh what do you do when you're not drinking craft beer talking to people like me about craft
1: beer uh all sorts of things so i'm a father of four um so that takes up a lot of my time yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're not lying um that takes up a lot of my time besides that um you know i work as a software engineer and i like to do computery stuff uh on off hours so rent my own, my own software and do my own kind of things. Um, I work on cars. I've got a project car in the, the garage behind me. Um, kind of into a lot of, you know, techie engineering type of things.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I can, I can hear the, uh, the munchkins running around in the background there. <laughs> yes. I mean, When there's four of them, it's probably never quiet at your house. (laughs) No, there's never a dull moment. All right, everybody, we are going to be talking about a much favored subject on this show. We're talking about stouts today. So, um, yeah, you know, for those who aren't familiar, stout, uh, the the term stout uh, was first coined in 1677. Um, And it was uh, originally meant to uh, to describe a strength of beer, not necessarily a style of beer. So, uh, you know, back uh, back before porters were invented in 1760 ish, um, you could order a stout anything. It it was just a stout ale or a stout, you know, whatever. It it just meant that it was stronger. And typically it was something that was above seven percent alcohol. Um, It wasn't until it, it wasn't until the 1700s when porters became a thing that uh that the stout uh kind of transformed from meaning a strong beer to being a dark beer um and and originally you know stouts were uh stout is is is, has been cut down it used to be called a stout porter and then uh at some point the the styles sort of deconverged uh or diverged i guess is the proper word and uh stout became its own style and porter became its own style so it's uh it's it's as everyone knows one of my favorites uh especially the barrel age stuff that's uh that's my stuff i like the 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 heavy hitting beers the double digit abvs you know uh if a stout is less than 10 percent, i consider it a session stout uh my wife and i have conversations that there's no such thing as a session stout but i i beg to differ (laughs) you know uh yeah so uh There's many different styles of stout. There's the American stout. There's the Irish dry stout. There's oatmeal stout. There's milk stout. You know, there's there's pastry stouts. There's there's any number of of uh, renditions of the style. Um, It's a great style to brew if you're starting out as a brewer because you can hide a lot of mistakes uh, in in a stout because of the uh, the the heavy chocolate kind of coffee flavors will will hide a lot of of uh, missteps, especially if you use the wrong hops or you your yeast didn't quite go the way you wanted the, the the grain profile is really really forgiving about the about the the flavors that, that you have and, and what it what it'll uh what it'll allow
1: you to uh to hide i see now now um, i'm taking notes because i want to start start brewing <laughs> which we'll we'll talk about i'm sure but that's good to know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah stouts uh an- a- another one even though it's 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 uh a-, a hard a hard style to master another one that's good at hiding uh things is new england ipa just because there's so many fruit flavors going on in there if you make a mistake and say no no i meant to do that (laughs) uh so um you know a stout should have uh if you're just talking about uh, a baseline american style stout not 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 like a guinness guinness is an irish dry stout so it's going to have a different flavor profile but an american stout is going to be um somewhat roasty it's going to have chocolate uh A heavy chocolate uh, profile you might get, uh, depending on how the the grain bill goes, you might have coffee forward flavors or they just might be in the background. Um, I prefer the ones where the 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 roasty coffee flavor is more in the background of it uh, with the chocolate and the sweetness uh, being up front. Uh, You know, I have kind of a sweet tooth, uh, you know you'd never know it from, from my chiseled physique and, uh, god uh, stature that, uh, that, that, you know, I like, uh, food and beer, but, uh, yeah, I like the, 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 the sweeter stuff. I have a uh, sweet tooth. So the, the, the malt heavy beers are my favorite because they always tend to be a little sweeter. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it, it's it's a dark ale. Um, the darker the better for a stout. I mean, if you can see through it, it's not really a stout. Uh, it should be pretty much opaque. Um, if 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 it gets to the point to where you can see through it, I wouldn't consider it a stout anymore. It'd be something else. Uh, but you know, they have uh, they have a noticeable aroma. You should when 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 you're when when you're drinking a stout, you should you should as it comes up to your face, you should smell you know, the aroma of the grains and you should smell chocolate and you might smell coffee and and things like that. Uh, and the same with the flavor, it's going to be a bolder flavor. You know, you won't have like a mild flavor in a stout because of the grain bill that it's got. It's going to have a whole big punch of flavor. Um, I today am going to be drinking, uh, an imperial stout from one of my favorite breweries. This is uh, Irish Nobility. It's an imperial stout from Wildcard Brewing in Trenton, Ontario. Um, I'm good friends with the with the owners of the brewery, and anytime I'm up that a- area, I, I always stop in. The last time I was there, I bought their entire uh, their entire inventory of a barrel aged quad that they had because it was fantastic. And, <laughs> And uh, I bought, I think I bought, I think I bought 12 of these and this is my last one. So I'm using it for this show. And I bought like, uh, I think I bought 12 of their barrel aged version of this, which is even better. And this is a great beer in of itself. Uh, and yeah, so uh, obviously big beers. <laughs>
1: yeah, no doubt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to be having, Ryan?
1: So I've got, I, I can't show you the, the bottle because I, I bought a growler of it. Gotcha. But this is... um a uh, Third Window Brewing, Santa Barbara Brewery, uh, Microbrew. Um, this is their Walkabout Stout. Um, so you can find nice. third window. I'll, I can send you the link if you like. Um, I actually have two, so I can show you the other, which is uh, the barrel-aged variety of that. Very Focus nice. probably not going to work, but this is a bourbon um, barrel-aged. I haven't had the barrel-aged one yet um i since i bought the growler i i tasted this before the show um <laughs> cheating but uh, yeah a little bit well you know i had to try it it's 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 great um i've i've been i've loved third window brewing for quite some time um they've been around for years now I should know their history better than I do because I don't know precisely how long they've been around. They've been around as long as I can remember, even back when I was working at Red Scale, which is effectively just across the street from them.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, you know, it's not required that you know the history of your favorite brewery. You just have to know where your favorite brewery (laughs)
1: is. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I just poured this one out. And, uh, I mean, as you can see, it is black as tar. It's got a nice... uh, nice khaki colored head on it and this thing is, this thing is just packed with aroma i mean it uh it's got uh it's it, it's got uh, a nice chocolate and coffee aroma to it um you would never you would never not be able to tell that it's a, a stout um even even if you didn't see the head on it uh, you'd look at it and you'd be like what the hell is that motor oil in your glass
1: <laughs> oh, right yeah that's that's mine because the the growler didn't didn't quite give me the head that I would have hoped
0: for. Oh, that's all right. I mean, that's <laughs> what happens with growlers. They, they always lose a little bit of the uh, the carbonation out of it and everything. So yeah.
1: So what's the flavor yeah, profile?
0: One... Pro- uh, what is the flavor profile on that?
1: Man. Yeah. So this one is um they they described as uh, a chocolate and orange style. Okay. Um. So those are the ingredients that they've they've got in there. Um. But it's real citrusy, like on the nose, very, very citrusy. You kind of get like that, that punch of almost kind of the sour notes from the citrus. Um, and then it's, it's a little bit tamer and, you know, chocolatey and, and uh, like coffee and kind of sweet on the finish.
0: Nice. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. This one, this one, this was uh, an Imperial stout through and through. So it's, uh it's got that sweet uh, up front and then you start getting that bitter, uh, towards the middle and you get the bitter on the end because you know uh to uh, to combat the the sweetness they they tend to a uh, bitter uh, imperial stouts a little more um i don't remember what this one comes in at uh 9.6 so you know it's it's technically less than a double digit so i guess it's still a, a session stout
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah mine's mine's only nine mine's a little bit behind uh-huh here, so uh for people
0: who are interested the proper glassware for uh, any style stout is actually the nonic pint that i have mine in so that's a that's a the the pub pint that you had that has the bulge on the glass uh, a lot of people think that bulge is to help keep you from dropping it and while that that does do that uh it's actually <laughs> designed so that if the glass falls over the rim doesn't get chipped that's why it has the bulge
1: Okay. Uh, see, I was, I was expecting some description that had to do with like the, where the aromatics came out of it or something. Cause there's lots of glasses that are designed for there, that reason. There
0: are, but this one is designed for, uh, for longevity of the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> the, the typical serving temperature in, uh, in, uh, metric units would be, uh, anywhere from, uh, 12 to, uh, to, uh, 13 and a half degrees as typical for a stout that's uh 50 to 55 degrees fahrenheit for those of you who are not metric aware. Um you know stouts go well with uh with, believe it or not stouts go well with sharp cheddar cheese. Uh, if you haven't ever tried that as a pairing, give that a try. Uh grilled meats like grilled lamb and steak, uh stouts go well with those. Uh nice nice burger. Um, for desserts, you know it'll if you're looking for something that's complimentary, try it with a tiramisu or like a black forest cake uh, or, or a coffee cake, even, um, you know, uh, it's, it, it, it's a very, uh, very, very uh, diversified style. You can, you can have it with a lot of things. Um, a lot of people think that stouts are like a, a cold weather beer. I don't agree with that. For me, stouts are a year round beer. I will sit out on the back porch when it's, you know, uh 30 degrees uh celsius which is uh like 80 or so degrees uh fahrenheit with the, with a nice imperial stout <laughs> and everyone else thinks I'm crazy Absolutely. they're out yeah. there drinking their 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 light beers and their Rattlers, and I've got this uh this oil can of <laughs> beer here and and uh yeah so I don't know um I, though you know if if you're one of those people that thinks you should only drink it in the cold weather well hey more, more power to you that just means I can have stouts more in, in the summer because <laughs> you won't be drinking them <laughs>
1: right yeah no I'm, I'm with you like you're around like it's one of those things um when you when you when i'm traveling i always look for that on the on tap or on the, the beer menu um and surprisingly a lot of times you don't find it they they i see people bars going much more heavily on like the ipas or the the loggers or things like that yeah you're, um, you, yeah you're very occasionally
0: yeah you're, <laughs> you're not wrong the stout on the menu. Uh, and you know, Uh, I'm lucky where, where I live, um, there's with, with, within, within a half hour of me, there's probably half a dozen, uh, craft breweries. And within an hour of me, it's probably like, uh, I don't know, it's probably like three or four dozen. Um, and there's at least, there's at least three that I know of that always have a stout available year round, which is great because I love my stouts. I mean, I love, uh, (laughs) who am I kidding? I love beer, um, (laughs) <laughs> but stouts, uh, stouts are one of my favorite styles. Barley wine is another one of my one of my all time favorites. Uh, I go back and forth as to which one is my absolute favorite because they're both great styles. Um, for people who aren't familiar, uh, a barley wine is is another uh, very strong beer. Uh, you can think of it basically as an old school English IPA with a much heavier grain bill. So it's got a lot more sweetness uh, to it, and a lot more alcohol. Uh, that's the easiest and quickest explanation without going into the history of barley wines and things like that. Um, so for stouts, uh, the color should be black, uh, no variation on that. Not Brown, not gray, not, not yellow. It's black. Um, clarity should be, uh, I mean, I suppose if you were to, if you were to pour it into a tall enough glass where it was thin enough, you could probably see through it. It'd be clear. It shouldn't be hazy or anything like that. Um. You know, carbonation should uh, visually anyway. There should be some bubbles coming off, of it, but it shouldn't be like uh, super carbonated, like you see, like with a lot, of, like your your macro beers, like Bud and your Miller and stuff, where they have tons of bubbles coming off of um, them. Alco- the champagne
1: of beers, yeah, <laughs> the champagne
0: of beers. <laughs> Al- alcohol uh, aroma and flavor. The alcohol uh, should be. You should know that it's a beer. I mean, you'll, you'll know there's a, some alcohol, and depending if you're going into the imperial versus a non-imperial style. Um, the higher the ABV, the more of the alcohol taste and aroma that, that you're going to get, um, hop aromas, that all depends again on the style. If you're going for a non-imperial, it'll be very mild to non-existent or uh, hop aromas. As you get into the Imperials, you might get some of the hop aromas depending on what style of hops they used. Um, but they're typically, uh, typically the hops uh, are only used for the bittering. They're not really used for the flavor in a, in a, in a stout. Um, you should have medium malt sweetness, uh, for a standard stout. Uh, it'll be higher for, for, uh, an imperial stout and even higher on a barrel aged stout because it gets kind of concentrated. Uh, you should have caramel and chocolate and roasted coffee. Um, I don't know. You might, uh, you might get a little bit of uh, like, um, depending on the style, you might get like a, almost like an earthy flavor to it. Uh, it might, if it's a barrel-aged stout, you're going to get uh, flavors of wood and possibly leather and, and things like that. And it's funny because you talk to people who don't drink beer, and you're like, what do you mean you're going to get a, the flavor of leather? It's like, well, <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it's actually something that you want in, in in like, a barrel-aged beer because it means it's pulling the flavors out of the barrel, you know. You get, right. you get that, uh, like, uh, I love bourbon-aged, uh, bourbon-barrel-aged stouts because you, they pull out. The flavors of the bourbon and then they pull out vanilla from the oak that it's aged in and you get a little bit of uh, smoothness out of it because it's you know it's sat and aged for a while and, and the uh the char inside the barrels helps aid with the, with the smoothness of the beer and things like that it's great uh you know you shouldn't have any real fruit flavors unless you're drinking one like yours that's a specialty stout that's orange and chocolate uh, but a standard stout wouldn't really have a whole lot of the fruity esters or anything um as, far as the body goes it should be fairly mouth coating so it hangs around after you drink it uh actual carbonation should be low to medium so you know you shouldn't you shouldn't have a whole lot of belging going on if you're drinking stouts uh, if you do it's over carbonated uh you should have a medium to long finish on it and what that means is uh, after you take a drink it hangs around in your mouth for a little bit you're like yeah i was just drinking a stout <laughs> unlike you know like uh like your pilsners and 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 your, your crisp lagers where you drink it and it's gone um yeah. you know typical typical uh hops that are used depending on the brewery you get a lot of centennial maybe some horizon uh i tend to use pearl uh in mine or uh, tettinger uh or i pronounce that one but I always just say tettinger and people know what the hell I mean. Um or or I'll use uh saz is another one of my favorites. That gives a little bit of a peppery uh finish on it. Um that you know uses pale malt and black roasted malt and chocolate malt and I use some some uh in mine and things like that uh and it, it uses an ale yeast. So it's 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 not a lager, it's an ale, which means it's uh fermented at a little bit warmer temperatures, doesn't take as long as a lager. Loggers tend to uh, take weeks to finish fermenting and depending on the yeast that you're using like I did one with uh, kavik uh, or kavik I don't know how they pronounce that style of yeast, but uh, it did a ten and a half percent imperial in three days and it was done fermenting so you know uh, typically typically my stouts take uh, two to three weeks to uh, ferment but that one was a fun experiment and uh, you know things like that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's interesting you talk about like the, the flavors that you get out of it, like leather and things like that. And it's like what people don't realize, I think, a lot of times is you. it's not really a flavor, right? It's like it's the flavor that you get when you when you smell leather. Right? Yeah, because so much of flavor is from from what something smells like and from where what you get through the nose. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, what what is it? I think I think it's supposed to be like what 90 percent of flavor comes from aroma. So Right. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, and if it smells kind of like leathery, well, you're going to go. Yeah, it's kind of leathery, you know, And and like I said, I I like I like. uh, I like some of them when when uh, one of my favorites that uh, they used to do, uh, one of the breweries up here, they stopped doing it as of last year. I think it was called Whiny Bastard. It was uh, an imperial stout aged in Pinot Noir barrels. And so, so you got you got the 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 vanilla and that that oaky earthiness and a little bit of leather in there but then you also got the the wine flavors in it and it was it was right. great um but uh, apparently it didn't sell well enough anymore so they stopped making it <laughs> but uh, you know i i love that where you get all those minglings of of those flavors i had one i don't remember the brewery it was earlier this year i had one that uh they aged it for uh, 12 months in bourbon barrels and then aged it for six months after that in uh, in uh, Pinot Noir barrels. And it was absolutely fantastic. Oh, wow. So you had this mingling yeah. of all these flavors and it was just super complex and layered. It was
1: great. Yeah, no, I've I've been on a kick of like uh, bourbon barrel aged stuff. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, this is not a wine show and I'm, I'm going to shut up about wine, but <laughs> my wife and I do drink a lot of wine. Um, and there's a, a wine, a couple, several actually, but one in particular, um, that is aged in bourbon barrels and there's just something about it. Like it's that, that smoothness that you get from being aged in the wood, um, that those little hints of, of vanilla and those sorts of things that you kind of get out of a red blend wine anyway, but it's really enhanced with the, with the bourbon, um, barrels. And it's, it's got that same sort of like smoothness of a really mellow bourbon.
0: hmm awesome who who, uh which winery puts that out do you know
1: uh it's menage a trois
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) so so tell me a little bit about the the, i forgot i have my camera on auto tracking mode so when i'm moving my my glass around it's like
1: Ah, that's what's going on yeah
0: my i've got i've got i've got a, a really cool little camera it's uh made by a company called obsbot it's the obsbot 4k tiny uh, but it's an AI powered camera, even though it's not really AI, it's a machine learning style camera. Um and I and I just updated the firmware on it and uh by default it turns on the uh the, the motion tracking after you do the firmware update. So when I move <laughs>
1: Yeah, look at that. it, it, it follows
0: me <laughs> around, but it has a problem every time I like put a glass up in front of my face. It's like, Oh shit. How do I find his face? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where'd he go? Where'd yeah. he go? Yeah. I forgot.
0: <laughs> I forgot to turn it off. Uh, I had, it. I had it turned on for uh, another thing where I was kind of moving around and then I forgot to turn it off and it leaves it on. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so, so if my camera moves around a little bit, it's because uh, I was dumb and I didn't let's see, let's see if I can remember. I think if I do this. There we go. It flashed at me. So there, uh, there. It, like, ah. it. okay. There ah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> now I can move around and it won't. Uh, it won't. It won't give people motion sickness.
1: Oh, lovely! <laughs> Isn't technology grand? It huh? is.
0: Well, you know, I was. I was. Uh, so, <laughs> my little sound studio here is a repurposed uh, closet in our basement, and I was looking for a camera that uh, could be fairly close to me because it's. I don't know. It's probably four feet from my face. Uh, So I need something that had a fairly wide range of view, but it needed it to be small because I didn't want like a big honking camera taking up a big chunk of my space. Uh, So this was this was the best bang for my buck. And it's been a good little camera. It's just I got to remember, you know, if if I accidentally turn on the tracking to turn it back off and things like that.
1: Yeah, I, I have recently gone on a little like obsessive compulsive journey with with my video setup because I, I work in technology, which I kind of said at the top. Um, and so I'm in meetings pretty regularly and they're all they're all Zoom meetings and things like that. Um, I actually work for a company that, that um, is all remote, um, which is super cool. Um, and what I realized I was using a, a fairly good uh, webcam, USB webcam. And yeah, I had it up on top of my monitor, like it's supposed to be and all that good stuff. But it had a super, super wide angle uh, field of view on it. And I've got it pretty far away, like more than an arm's length away. Um, And I've kind of sat back because I've got a big desk. And what I realized is that it can't focus that far away. It's intent because of the wide angle of view and everything else. It's intended to be like right up in your face. basically. Right. Um, And so I... I'm using OBS right to to kind of tweak my video and do all that sort of stuff, and I zoomed in and that highlighted the fact that it's out of focus. It was kind of okay when it was out in the big wide field of view, but now I zoomed in and it's clearly blurry. so what I'm actually using right now is is my cell phone um, and droidcam uh, to be able to basically get the video off of it yep. so it's a little sharper it's, it's in focus because it actually can adjust the focus <laughs> yeah no
0: i i uh b- before i got a, an actual camera i used to uh, use droid cam i i took uh I took uh i had a pixel 3xl that i wasn't using anymore and i just mounted it uh in a little tripod thing and and uh yep. had it connected via usb to, to my computer and it works great uh you know uh i used i actually used it uh i used to use it uh, when we were playing dnd i would mount it so it faced down on my desk and when i rolled my dice because we were doing everything remotely you could actually see my dice rolls <laughs> there you go before, I love before yeah before we switched over to a full vtt where all the dice are now digital dice so we don't even have to roll real dice if you don't want to
1: um oh, well it's okay but like real random numbers digitally come on
0: yeah yeah i know <laughs> i know but <laughs> but you know what it, it's nice to not have to to you know to, to not have to have another camera face down on things to yeah for sure for people to see your dice rolls and things like that but uh yeah you know i <laughs> i retired from tech and got drugged back into it uh so i i am too working in tech again uh you know uh i i rose all the way to the top i became a cio of a medical company in the states and then i moved to canada and uh i was retired and my, my wife's like, uh, yeah, you can't be retired if I'm not retired and I'm not ready to be retired yet. So you got to go find yourself a job. And I, I tried to find a part time IT job and nobody wants to hire anybody part time yeah. for IT. They want everything full time. So here I am working full time. But I'm working in a nice job where I have like next to nothing for responsibility. So at the end of the day, when I when I leave the office, I leave the office. It's not like the old days yeah. where I left the office and it followed me. <laughs> yeah
1: you're not on pager duty (laughs) uh no uh
0: that 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 is that is one thing i will never do again i will never be on call um i mean my my boss and the company i work for now have strict orders that unless the company is is uh basically burning to the ground and they need all hands on deck don't call me after hours (laughs) and to be fair here in Ontario, it's the law, uh work work life balance law, that, you know, that that your employer cannot require you to do things after your shift is done, you know. So it, it's it's nice. nice. Yeah, it is nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I've I, I've I've kind of gone from like the IT software and sales, which is kind of when we met, that was sort of what I was doing, is is selling IT software more or less. Right. Um and I'm I'm like a full on you know software engineer now which is it's cool in a lot of ways um it's entirely up to me whether or not i leave work at work which is a challenge that i have yeah well <laughs> of, espe- of my own volition but yeah. well,
0: especially <laughs> when when uh when work is where you live
1: <laughs> yeah for sure so it's real easy yeah.
0: it's real easy to slide into that oh i'm just gonna do this for a couple minutes i got, I got a few minutes before we got to do stuff and then before you know it you've been working for another six hours yeah
1: yeah, exactly. The, the fortunately the family keeps me honest for the most part, but it's still it's a challenge to keep those things separated for sure. Yep, yeah. No,
0: I, I I totally get it. I mean, I I was that way for for years. Uh it wasn't it wasn't until uh, right before I uh moved up here that I I uh, was like, yeah, no, don't 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 call me after hours, you know? Uh unless mm-hmm. unless it's a dire emergency, I don't care. It'll hold till the next day. You know, <laughs> So, and that's the way I feel now. And you know, like uh, when I was interviewing for jobs and stuff up here, that was one of the things I said, it's like, you know, I don't want to be on call. If this job requires any on call, I don't want it. Um, yeah. I just started a new company uh, a couple months ago, but the previous company, uh, <laughs> one of the owners came up and he's like, we're thinking about putting it on call. And I said, well, if you do that, I will quit the moment you announce it. And uh, it Then they decided they didn't want uh, IT on call (laughs) because, yeah, (laughs) for honestly, and and for what I did, I mean, IT at this company literally only supported internal customers. They were a telecom. Uh, They only supported internal customers. So they had a whole other branch of tech people who did all the customer facing stuff. There was never an emergency that required IT. Uh, because they had a dedicated networking team that handled all the infrastructure, they had a dedicated security team that handled handled all that. We literally were the guys that handled Windows servers, <laughs> you know, and Windows desktops. There's never a time in that business where, uh, oh my God, it's three o'clock in the morning and my laptop won't fire up and go to fucking bed. <laughs> right,
1: <yeah. laughs> oh, I can't get my email. Yeah. Right? yeah,
0: yeah, it'll be there in the morning. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I mean, like the I work on stuff that like real customers use, but it's all it's very you know Devrel sort of stuff, DevOps, um, where the stuff that we build, we also build the the software that automates deploying it and monitoring it and and keeping it up. So I fortunately, in the role that I'm in, i'm I'm never in an on call rotation, but even for people who are in my organization, um, it's during business hours for them, right? Like it's not at night and other things because we've got follow the sun, we've right. got people everywhere anyway. Um, and you're supporting something you built, right? So it's not like, okay, it's it's broken now and I've got to figure out how Microsoft works or call a vendor or something like that. It's No, I wrote some software and I shouldn't have released it on a Friday. And (laughs) now I've got to fix it, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that. that, Yeah. Pro tip here, guys: never release software on a Friday.
1: (laughs) No, that's that's a big no-no. Coincidentally, like I, I agree with that, and I'm not, you know, advocating that you do. But where I'm at and the sort of work that I'm doing it's actually kind of okay. Cause usually the, the changes are really, really small and easily reverted. That's so that's the benefit of like the really good automation tool chain and, right. and the monitoring tools that we have in place. So, um, it's still, you know, not the kind of fire drill that you want, but it's pretty manageable where I'm at right now.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so I know this, but for the people listening, you have four children. Um, what the hell was going through your mind when you get when you and you and the missus decided that you wanted to have four four of them not 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 one not two, but four
1: yeah <laughs> um not one not two but four um so like she she would love to have more um I agreed to two when we got married um <laughs> and also so for for those that are listening, I, I think you know this like my wife and I were married very young. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 21 years old. She was 20. Um, And so one of the things that I insisted upon was that we have some time as just us. Um, And she wasn't a big fan of that. She comes from, um, you know, a a Latin background where if you're not like, you know, 18, married and pregnant, then you're an old lady. Right. (laughs) Um, And so that's sort of the expectation. I made her wait until she was 25 years old, so I said five years exactly, and like we had my first son like almost to the day five years after, and I meant <laughs> that like five years we would start, but it, it worked out the way it worked out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. What, what what's the uh, the Jurassic Park saying? Life finds a way. <laughs>
1: yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole long story that goes along with that that. Um, I, she, my wife is the diagnosed with multiple sclerosis as well, and it's something that we found out kind of right in the process of that. And it and it turns out that being pregnant is a great treatment, effectively for multiple sclerosis. Um, so that that kind of feeds into like why for because. <laughs> honestly it's kind of the best way to treat her condition <laughs> i mean it's not the only reason that we did that but <laughs> um it kind of worked out that way so
0: awesome awesome well you know i uh, i am also friends with your wife on 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 twitter and uh, i make comments now and then uh and i think i think we've all been friends long enough even if it's in the virtual world that uh she knows pretty much to take everything I say with a grain of salt or to understand that it's, it, if it's not sarcasm, it's a joke.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your wife, your wife is great. Uh, I often make comments about like, I don't know how she puts up with you and things like that because you know,
1: No, I, I don't know either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do. I do enjoy what, uh, her posts where, where it's like, you know, mama four stuff and I'm just like, shaking my head and like, man, it was bad enough with one. I can't imagine three times yeah. that, Yeah, you know, three more, three more added on four times the, the the children. I just, yeah, you know, but like you, uh, when, uh, when, when, uh, I first got married, the first time I got married, I was young as well. I was 21. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, unlike you, my daughter was born before we were married. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, I understand the, uh, the, the, uh, the appeal of, of taking some time and, and not having kids is I'm at the part point, you know, where like my daughter was moved out of the house by the time I was 40. So I got, I got the time at the end. Uh, so, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, child free for, for more than, oh, oh, going on two decades now. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's been, it's been, it's been nice uh, there are challenges to having your kids early and getting married early, but, uh, you know, there are also benefits, uh, I, I I unlike you am done early. So <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of getting into the, the the long tail. My eldest is uh, fourteen now, um, and so my my second son, um, my sister and I were really close in age. Uh, we were like two years apart, and so in my mind, that was. That was what you did and that was a good thing right because we were close enough that we were we were good friends even though we were a boy and a girl like we got along really well um and so in my head like we we needed to have another quickly like within you know two years and so um my my second oldest son is almost exactly two years apart (laughs) um and then we've got uh my third son um, who's eight years old, and then baby girl who's who's three now. Um, oh, it's and, three years. It. <laughs> I, it, yeah. You know. Yeah. But she's. It, it's amazing though, because girls are just. I, you you had a girl, so maybe you can you can attest to this. Like girls are just different. Like she, we can. She's three years old, and she's more reasonable than any of her brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can actually talk to her and like explain something and like calm her down. Walk through stuff. She seems like infinitely more rational, which is bizarre.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not the case for for for, for me and my dog. Okay, yeah, so, you you got lucky.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, but yeah, my my boys are just. So my understanding, and I've heard this from people who've had both, that like boys are hard when they're young because they're just like energy and chaos and getting into stuff they shouldn't be getting into, um, and. Um, then they, they get easier (laughs) when they get older, which I, you know, I'm seeing that with my, my 14 year old son. Um, and then girls are kind of the other way around. They're, they're, you know, easier when they're little, like when she's little, (laughs) and then when they become young women and teenagers, then it becomes another story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can see that. I mean, my, my daughter was, uh, my daughter suffered from the fact that she was precocious, um, both her and, uh, uh, both, both my ex-wife and myself were both, uh, n- not to toot my own horn. We're both, of uh, fairly intelligent people. Um, you know, very, we were both, uh, fairly gifted people, uh, in terms of, in terms of our abilities and our daughter inherited that from both of us. And then, you know, also <laughs> inherited the attitude uh, from both of us. And, and it wasn't like some, some from me and some from my ex-wife. No, no, it was, the combined total put into this yeah. package, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So um, she was a bit of a handful because she was, she was uh, usually a little too smart for her own good. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, much like me was a little too stubborn for her own good.
1: <laughs> so, so take all of that um, and add ADHD and some behavioral problems. <laughs> um, and that's my, my second oldest son. Um, We love him, but he is a tremendous challenge. Um, And again, not to toot my own horn, but both my wife and I are are not stupid people. Um, And I'm fairly confident that he's probably smarter than we are. Don't let him hear me say that. (laughs) (laughs) He's not Um, listening, is he? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he might be. Um, But man, I tell you, like, and that's the thing is... You can probably attest to this as well like parenting is like such a a personal journey like an inward journey right like because you're you're parenting and like trying to train this person that's like a reflection of you so all the things about yourself that you're not maybe a big fan of and you see that reflected in this person it's a challenge
0: (laughs) yeah it is no it 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 really is uh you know you you uh you want to try and try and prep them for for everything, and try and you know try to save them from the same pitfalls that you had, but it's not always possible, and it's not always the best thing to do. I mean, sometimes you need to right. let them stumble and fall. So that's that's uh, that's the joy of joy of parenthood.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: sounds like you just cracked your second beer.
1: Yeah, well, I, I I I can't remember if we talked about it before the the intro or not, but I've got the the.
0: But barrel yeah, age, Yeah, you said you had the, the barrel aged version, yeah. yep, of that uh, of that. Actually, same I beer. think
1: I can I think I can adjust my focus so you can read the, the uh label a little bit better. Yeah. But I... um, and it's it's a mirrored image. So this is the same beer, um, but they, they barrel age it. And they don't actually say for how long. I'm guessing it's gotta be for you know a couple two, three months at least. Yeah. Um and this one also I guess this just doesn't have a lot of carbonation in it
0: whatsoever. Barrel aged beers won't have a lot of carbonation. I mean, they uh, they unless they unless they recarb it or force carb it uh, afterwards. Barrel aged beers tend to be a lot less carbonated, and that's one of the reasons I really like them is because I'm not a huge fan of heavy carbonation on beers. Sure, uh, I yeah. love I love a good cask aged beer because it's low carb. You know, it's just just enough to give it a little bit of sparkle, uh, but not enough to to make you sit there going.
1: Burr. Oh,
0: right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one, the the that citrusy nose is a lot more uh mellow. Yeah, I'm um, getting a lot more of the chocolate on the nose. Nice. Wow. Okay. So, man, that's a lot more complex, actually. <laughs> it, and it,
0: it should be for for you know, if it's barrel aged. I mean, if if the original was you know a multifaceted beer with chocolate and orange and probably roasty coffee hints and things like yeah. that you throw you throw in a, a bourbon barrel where you've got bourbon which has its own set of flavors and then you get you get a little bit of vanilla and the and the wood and the you know the tannins from that and yeah it's going it's going to be a, a complex beast that's the thing i really like about barrel aged beers too is there're always yeah. so many layers so many facets of flavor and things like that it's great
1: yeah, I mean it's got it's got some of like the you know like the caramel and um, some of those like darker sweet flavors to it. Yeah,
0: um, a lot of the time uh, barrel aged beers will have like uh, you'll get uh, notes of like dark fruits like fig and, and dates and things like that. Um, depending again, it depends on the the, the barrel type and the the uh, alcohol type that was originally in the barrel. But yeah, I, I love I love when you get those those. Uh, those dark flavors uh, that that come into the beer it just gives it so much more
1: depth. Yeah, yeah, and they the the before the barrel aging, um, they have vanilla in the beer normally, but you can taste it a lot more in the barrel aged.
0: Yeah, it probably gets. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'll pull some from the barrel, but uh, it probably just gets concentrated because you know barrel aging right. you lose a lot of liquid out of it, you know, so. Right. So, you know, it gets a little everything gets a little more concentrated. The booze gets a little more concentrated, the chocolate flavors, the coffee flavors, but yeah. but on top of that, you know, it also gets smoothed out and mellowed out, which is nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you lose a lot of harshness. If if a beer is really harsh and you barrel age it, it should be, you know, it should make it a lot smoother than than the original.
1: Yeah. Well, so like the without the barrel aging, the um like I said, the it's real kind of citrusy on the nose, but it's it's kind of almost lemon citrusy this on the nose you smell orange like it smells sweet orange nice um, and then you get that chocolate in there as well so that's it's it's fun comparing the two i hadn't obviously tried the barrel aged one yet but
0: yeah i know that 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 you know and so that's one of the things that that's really amazing about uh beer and, and i've said this several times on several of my episodes you know you can take basically four basic ingredients and you can come up with so many just different flavor profiles and then you throw in things like, Oh, we're going to throw it in this barrel and let it sit for us for a few months. And you're going to get different flavors out of it, or you'll get modified versions of the same flavors. And it's just amazing. You know, it's, it's a brewing. Brewing is is as much an art as it is a science. And, and don't get me wrong. The big macro beers, that's all science. It's not so much art anymore, but you know, for craft brewers who want to play around with recipes and, and like I'm one of these people, you know, I love just experimenting with beers when I, when I'm brewing them and, trying out different hops and trying out different yeasts and trying, try mucking around with grain bills, uh, pushing the limits as far as I can to still stay within the style guides and things like that. Uh, But you know, it's great. You take, you take four basic ingredients and you can make a plethora of different flavors. And it's, and it's great. If, if, uh, if you can't find a style of beer that you'd like, um, you know, with, with all the combinations that are out there, then then you just need to find a different type of alcohol.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> because there's so, so, so many flavors. Mean, th- those four are barley, hops, yeast, and water?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. All
1: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the four basic ingredients. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and, and you know, malted barley, and, and obviously you're going to have different types of beer. Like if you're doing gluten-free, you're going to have rice, uh, or, or sorghum or things like that. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a malt of some sort, uh, a yeast, a hop and water, you know, those are your four basic ingredients. you can come up with so many different styles and flavors based on the different varieties of all those things.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned it. I, I do want to get into brewing. Like the prerequisite here is uh, the space in my garage that the project car is taking up. I need to get the project car done, which is an oxymoron. A project car is never done, but I need to get it running and out of the garage so that I've got space to start brewing. We've we've talked about this a little bit on Twitter before, yep. but um, I, I I think I need to just get over the idea that I need a lot of space for it and actually just like brew something
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you, you you really don't need a ton of space um if you start off with, with like one of the all-in-one units like uh like a robo brew or or something like that you know you need you know i don't know if you had something well about the size of my closet here where it's like you know 10 feet deep and like four or five feet wide that's more than enough space for uh for for the brew system and then you know, your carboys and, and whatever, or if you, if you're like me and you just go full, full bore and buy actual stainless steel fermenters and the whole bit, you don't need a ton of space uh, to start. I didn't have a ton of space to start. And, uh, you know, now, now I've got a ton of space. I've got a huge garage and <laughs> I've got a new brewing system coming and, and, you know, I've got, uh, I've got four fermenters and, and, a ton of wow. kegs and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you don't need a whole lot to get started. And it's not that expensive to get started. You know, um it's a few hundred bucks for 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 a robo brew for like the five gallon version and and if if you go with all plastic stuff, uh you know, the cheaper stuff you can you can get your fermenters and everything for another couple hundred bucks. So you're looking at like maybe five six hundred bucks to get started and you don't need a ton of space. So it's a it's a really accessible hobby. Um just yeah. just know that that uh it's a slippery slope hobby because once you get started all well now i need this and now i need this yeah you know and before you know it you're buying a one barrel skid mounted system to put in your garage and you've got you know half barrel fermenters (laughs) and and a commercial cooler with taps and (laughs) oh wait that's just me
1: (laughs) yeah well I've, i've seen some of the the recent photos on twitter of some of the stuff you got coming that's that's some pretty impressive stuff you're like becoming your own microbrewery on your own man <laughs> yeah well that was one of the
0: things my wife and i discussed uh opening a brewery and then we got uh, got looking at all the stuff and we decided that uh, we'd much rather just have a kick-ass home brewery and still be able to take yeah. vacations and go go away because if we yeah, opened yeah. a brewery you know basically i'd be i'd be working full-time and never be able to take a vacation for the first few years till things got going
1: yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like i said my wife the class that she went through when she introduced me to wine was a hotel and restaurant management and and you know be, becoming a chef and learning how to be a chef was part of that program yep. and so like and you know living in Santa Barbara most of my life like you see the turnover of of restaurants there right like it's a huge commitment to open a restaurant and then make it successful the same would be true I'm imagining for a brewery right yeah, it very is
0: similar. it is very similar <laughs> yep yeah yeah, it's it, it's crazy the amount of money that's that's required for this stuff, and and here in Ontario it's crazy the amount of hoops you have to jump through. Uh, I was talking right. with my friends at uh, at uh, Wildcard Brewing last time I was up there uh, a couple months ago, and uh, my buddy Nate, who's the owner, he's like, "So, whatever happened with you starting a brewery?" And, and I told him, "Oh, well, we decided against it." And he's like, "That's probably the best decision you've ever made, Rob."
1: <laughs> <You know. laughs> well, and like that's that's a common one here, um, because I. You know i keep mentioning santa barbara we we about four years ago we moved north of santa barbara we're in lompoc now um which is like the coastal edge of the santa barbara wine country so if you kind of follow the the san Ynez river inland you end up in san Ynez and and Buellton, and that's like that's santa barbara wine country um so the movie sideways was literally filmed in that area um and so the the common like desire that people don't realize the effort that's going into it. Like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, plant a vineyard or I'll, I'll buy a vineyard or like I'll plant some grapes in my house and, you know, like actually make wine without any realization of like the amount of effort and money and everything else that goes into it. It's yep. like for people that aren't doing it commercially and and making a profit and doing it with just the right margins, you're throwing money away to like make your own why yeah <laughs> yeah
0: well awesome man um we have been talking for about 50 minutes here it's uh it's uh
1: it you know, goes by quick and easy it, it does go, <laughs> yeah
0: i mean I and mean, that's the whole point of the show it's supposed to just kind of feel like a couple people hanging out drinking beer and talking which is exactly what we've been doing um so this is the point of the show where I say, hey, if you enjoyed what you've seen, please click like and subscribe and maybe click that little bell to be notified when new episodes come out. Uh, if you have a question for me, uh, please leave it in the comments. If you have a question for Ryan or you want to know more about what Ryan does or, or the company he works for, leave those comments below and I'll be sure to forward anything on that uh, needs to uh, to be forwarded. You know, if you have a suggestion for a beer style, a particular beer or someone you'd like me to try and get on the show, because Lord knows I'll try and get anybody on the show. Whether or not I can get them is another thing. Uh, Please leave those those uh, in the comments section below. You know, uh, other than that, until next time, I'm Rob from the Internet. Cheers.